Will you pray with me? Father, uh, nothing is more important than you this morning, and uh, we want to hear from you. We want to hear your word. We want to connect with you. And, uh, and so, God, we ask you to move in this time through the reading of your word, uh, the preaching of your word. Um, God, help us each to experience Christ in a whole new way. Um, only you can do this, God. I'm just not that persuasive. Uh, I'm just not that articulate with my words. And so, God, we need your help in this time. Um, we, we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. For those of you who don't know, there were three Christian believers killed in Turkey about a week and a half ago. People heard that? Um when I first heard about the killings, I was apathetic at best. I Unresponsive, maybe would be a more suitable term. I've tried to search my heart and my mind since that time as to why. Why didn't it move me? Why didn't I care that much? Why didn't I pray for the families? I don't know if it was because we had just had this attack at Virginia Tech, and, and I guess in, in numbers, the numbers at Virginia Tech were more than the numbers in Turkey. I don't know if it was because it was on the other side of the world, and it felt removed. I, I felt removed from it. Here I'm in Minneapolis, and there, that's over there. I don't know if it was because when I read the, the three articles that uh, a buddy had linked it was fairly clean if a killing could ever be referred to that. There was the description of the killings was clean, um, just not a lot to it. But that changed this week. Um, I was emailed a letter and it detailed the events of torture and of killing of our brothers in Christ. I worked hard in the time since I received this letter and read this letter to make sure that it is accurate. Um, and I was able to get into, I was able to talk to the person who sent me the letter. Uh, he verified that these people that he, he received it from were missionaries in Turkey. I've found a different source that listed uh, a separate source of a, of a guy who knew these three. And he listed some of the very same things that were found in this letter. Um, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm, I'm unwilling to read all of it. I just, I won't. Um, the reason for that is it would be inappropriate because, friends, I have never in my life read or heard about, or seen anything like was described in this letter that happened to our brothers in Christ. I've never seen anything real or imagined. Not in story, not in newspaper. I have, I've never heard of what brutality was used against these brothers in Christ. 
I looked up brutality in the dictionary to see, is that the appropriate word? It is. And it's maybe too soft. I mean, it so shook me to know that that kind of torture and abuse and evil was even possible. In reading the parts of this letter throughout the, the rest of the sermon, I want you to meet these three men who lived for Christ, who loved God with all their hearts. Um, more so than that, I don't just want you to, to meet them, but if there was a higher goal, it would be to all the more, wherever you're at in your spiritual journey, all the more to cling to God to cling to Jesus Christ, to cling to the teachings that are found in his word. All the more. We're going to see three men who did that. In our passage from today, it's in the Gospel of John. We've been going through the, the book of John for those of you who might be new to us. And we're in the third kind of series within this, talking about Jesus Christ, um, his procession to the cross, suffering and glory, both in this procession to the cross. And in, in this context, what you're going to see is what the disciples had in common with these three men, which they have in common with us. The letter, parts of the letter read this way, On Wednesday morning, April 18, 2007, 46-year-old German missionary and father of three, Tillman Geske, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing the names, prepared to go to his office, kissing his wife goodbye, taking a moment to hug his son and give him the priceless memory. Goodbye, son. I love you. Tillman rented an office space from Zerv Publishing where he was preparing notes for the new Turkish study Bible. Zerv was also the location of the Malatya Evangelist Church office. A ministry of the church, Zerv prints and distributes Christian literature to Malatya and nearby cities in eastern Turkey. In another area of town, 35-year-old pastor Najadi Aydin, father of two, said goodbye to his wife, leaving for the office as well. They had a morning Bible study and prayer meeting that some other believers in town would also be attending. Ur Uksel likewise made his way to the Bible study. None of these three men knew that what awaited them at the Bible study was the ultimate testing and application of their faith, which would conclude with their entrance into glory to receive their crown of righteousness from Christ and honor from all the saints awaiting them in the Lord's presence. On the other side of town, ten young men, all under 20 years old, put into place final arrangements for what would be their ultimate act of faith. As I read this the first time, I was struck by the mundane circumstances that surrounded the morning of the killings. Leaving for work, saying goodbye uh, to their spouses, saying goodbye to their son. Nothing extraordinary about how the morning of this day started. And if I had to guess, if I had to 
kind of put myself in, in, in that story and in our story from John's Gospel today, I see a lot of similar circumstances. Okay? We're going to be in John, the end of John chapter 14. And Jesus, the situation is that Jesus is sharing really some of the last teaching, the last words that he'll have for his disciples. This is kind of his last shot. Uh, it's Last Supper time, and this weekend is going to be betrayal and arrest and flogging and beating and crucifixion and death and eventually Easter Sunday, a resurrection. But in the context of our passage today, Jesus was teaching things. And for the disciples, I mean, they'd been with him three years. He had done cool stuff, amazing things, healed people, lots of miracles, lots of teachings. We kind of pull the disciples aside and say, all right, do you understand what all that meant back there? Are you, are you getting, are you following me? So this was ordinary, perhaps even mundane for them to be sitting, listening to a teaching of Jesus. And they could have never believed, just like it was with our Turkish brothers, they could have never believed what was going to transpire in those next few days in the course of that weekend. But let's pick up the story. In John 14, verse 15, it says this. It begins this way. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Stop right there. I mean, this is a big point of Jesus' teaching in this passage. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will. He says it two other times in two different ways. Verse 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he is the one who loves me. Verse 23, Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. Essentially, Jesus is saying, Love for me, if you really love me, that will have a result. And what is that result? Obedience. All the things I'm teaching you, all the things I'm calling you to do, all my commandments, you're going to do them. If you love me. You will keep my commandments. In God's economy, love and obedience are intimately connected. And it's so important that Jesus includes it in the Great Commission. You remember that part of the Great Commission? Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey. Not just teaching them, but teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. There's something that just says love for God, true, deep, intimate love for God results in following His commandments. You might be wondering to yourself, well, what, what is it that Jesus has commanded? What is His word that we're supposed to keep? I'm glad you asked. Uh, and we actually have a guy who wrote a book for us to help us with that answer. Uh, there's a book out there by a guy named John Piper who's a pastor down the road. Um, and it's called what Jesus demands from the world, or what Jesus commands from the world. What does he ask of the world? It lists, it lists 50. It lists 50 of them. So good luck keeping all those 50 <laughs> demands and commands. I'm looking through them going, oh man, I need Jesus. I need help. Um, but I want to give you just a couple, because it might not be what you're thinking. Commandments typically get our attention towards like maybe the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not. Um, but a lot of these demands are not phrased that way. Uh, one of them says this. Simple. Believe in me. Believe. Jesus wants you. He commands you. If you love him, 
believe in him. Uh, we actually had this in a, in a verse earlier in this chapter. It says in um, chapter uh, 14, verse 1 and 11, believe in God. This is what Jesus says to his disciples. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. So one of the things, one of the things of the 50 that Jesus demands of us, if you love him, you will, you will believe in him. A second one. Love your neighbor as Jesus loved us. Again, this comes from John 13, just a chapter before. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also must love one another. So again, fitting into our passage. If you love Christ, if you love God, you will love your neighbor just in the same way that Jesus loved you. It's incredibly hard teaching, incredibly difficult. I blacked out some uh, parts of the passage that we're going to come back to in just a minute. Why is this so important? Of all the things that Jesus could have talked about at the end, right? Right before he's going to go and die on a cross, why this? Why do you choose this? Why is this so important? John Piper writes, what emerges again and again as, as he looked at all the teachings of Christ in the four um, Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what emerges again and again is that what Jesus is commanding and demanding from you and from me is a life that displays the worth of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. When obedience to his commands happens, by you and by me, what the world sees, what the world sees is the fruit of Jesus' work and the worth of Jesus Christ. In other words, they see God. The better that you and I are able to obey and follow Jesus' commands, the better we're able to reflect God to the world. The more we can aspire to be like him, follow his example, follow his commands, keep his word, the more we're going to look like Jesus Christ to the rest of the world. And they need that. They need something visible, physical. They can't see. That's what we talk about. Spiritual blindness says. They can't see God. They don't know God. They need help. I was one of those guys until I was 18. I needed that. I needed a physical, visible something, somebody. To show me Christ. And that person was my oldest brother guy. Um, I don't know if you guys had older siblings that, like, once they got the license, it was just like, whoo, gone. Did you, and we got, like, older siblings, like, see you later. I mean, we were a family of five. We're now a family of four. Uh, we, we don't know guy. We don't know who he is, where he's from, where he's going. Um, food would disappear every once in a while. But we just did not see him around. Then he goes off becomes a follower of Christ during his years at college. And I'd be like playing, you know, my football game, look to the sideline, and my brother was there. It's like, what are you doing? Did somebody die? What? You know, why, why are you here? And he had got his soul getting a hold of his heart. He so loved God that he wanted to share that with us. And he took an interest in us and, and what we were doing and where our lives were going, what it was all about. He'd take, us out, uh, take me out for lunch. Just say, man, what's going on in your life? 
I'm just like, who are you? I don't know you. What are you doing? And he was able to just slowly, bit by bit, piece by piece, conversation after conversation, be an example of who God is. I was able to physically see an example. I couldn't see spiritually, totally blind. But I could understand like, wow, my brother has changed. He's totally different. Your obedience, my obedience to the commands of Christ will help us be a mirror. Hey, I am a foggy mirror. You know, I need, I need God, God's help to get cleaned up and I'm a foggy mirror, but we're all mirrors. Let's keep going in, in our passage. If you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments can keep them. He, is, he it is who loves me. And who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Verse 22, Judas, not Iscariot, he had already taken off by this point, ready to betray Christ. Uh, Judas said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. There's just a lot in there. I want to go back to the verses. I, I skipped over it, but we go back a couple slides um, the fact that when we are obedient, man, we, we radiate, we, we glorify God. It's so huge. In, in Matthew, it says, you know, let your light shine before others. Why? Why is that a big deal? Because people are going to see your good works and glorify God in heaven. The things that were blackened out, can you flip to the next one? The things that were blackened out are italicized there. Okay? So we, we are commanded, we're demanded to believe in God. And what is the result? I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. We are the body of Christ doing what he has done. And greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And the other passage ends with, by our obedience by your obedience, by my obedience, all people will know that we are disciples of Christ if we love one another. Huge implications for our love for God transferring into obedience. And it goes on. This is, this is so cool in this passage where God like kind of takes the game over, you know? Like you start thinking, all right, it's all about if I love God, then I'm going to keep his commandments. And he said that a couple times, but there's so much more in this about God than it is about us. And I've kind of listed some things up there if you, if you flip down a couple. What is Jesus going to do? He's going to ask the Father certain things. And what is the Father going to do? Okay, we love and, and there's obedience happening. He's going to give us the helper. Who is that? The Holy Spirit. 
Look at some of the attributes of the Holy Spirit. Be with you forever. Speak truth to you. This whole other world can't receive him, but you can. He's going to be in you and dwell with you. Steve talked last week about the fact that God won't leave us as orphans. He says, no, I'm going I'm to come to you. Yet a little while, and this world, this whole world, they're not going to see me. But you guys, you're going to see me. And the one that I really got stuck on uh, this day as, as a result of kind of the, the Turkish letter, it says, because I live, because I live, you also will live. Guarantee, promise, bank on it. It's going to happen. Because I live, you also will live. Our brothers live. They will live through the resurrection of Jesus Christ because of him. And finally, in that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. God just takes over the game. He says, look at all these things that are true as a result of coming to me. For me, I had one of those experiences like I became a follower of Christ when I was uh, 18 back in 1997. It's been kind of a cool experience figuring out all the things that happened in that initial decision. Like kind of make that kind of like, yeah, I think I'll start following God and don't really know what I'm getting into or all the things that are happening. Um, but one of the big things that happened back then is found in verses 25 and 26. The gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit says, Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. you know, who is this Helper guy? You know? I, I uh, joked in first service that the Holy Spirit is kind of like the Rodney Dangerfield of the Trinity. Like, he gets no respect, you know? He's kind of like, feel like nobody gets me, nobody understands me, you know? Like, nobody knows how I lead, nobody knows how I instruct. And, and the Holy Spirit's like, man, I'm, I'm important in this, you know, Godhead here, you know? And so, but I often get questions, you know, like, how do I know if I have the Spirit? How do I know if He's moving and working in my life? There's just a lot of confusion when it comes to um, the Spirit being our helper. Who He is, what He does, how He does it. And so this passage gives us two insights that I think are key. And we need to remember, okay? I underlined them for you. But He will teach you all things. He will give you a remembrance of all things. He is here to teach and remind. Teach and remind if you have ever, okay, this is, this is one of those cool things that as I look back on the last 10 years of my life since I've been a follower of Christ and even before that, if there was ever a moment in that 10 years that I was taught anything about God or reminded about anything about God, proof, Holy Spirit working in my life. Think of your own life now. Think of the last week, month, year. Have you learned anything about God? Somebody's like, no, 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 have you, have you learned anything about God? If you have learned anything about God, proof that the Holy Spirit is working in your life. If you've been reminded about anything, you've been walking along, not thinking about anything, and all of a sudden something happens, you're reminded about God, about a verse, about some teaching, the Holy Spirit is moving in that, working in that. It's, it, and it happens in the craziest of circumstances. This is how it happened to me this week. So, um, my, I have two boys. Uh, Drew is three and a half years old, and Isaac is two years old. 
And we do all sorts of crazy stuff, um, wrestling all the time, and, and I win um, those, those wrestling matches. It's two-on-one, but I still win. And, um, like, Isaac's really into mimicking whatever Drew does. He's kind of younger now, and it's like, oh, there's Big Brother, and he's so cool. I want to do what he does. And, uh, well, something that Drew really likes to do is jump off the couch, and, uh, and, and he jumps high and far, and, and, and sometimes, like, I'll lie down on the floor, and he'll, like, jump on me, and, and he weighs, like, 45 pounds now, and so it's more like I'm trying to protect myself rather than really catch him. I'm, I'm not so much worried about him getting injured as, as me, like, cracking a rib, um, but, the, <laughs> but then Isaac will, like, he, he, he doesn't jump yet. He, he gets down. He sees Drew kind of bend the knees. But then he just kind of falls like a, you know, like a giant stone to the bottom of the river. But anyways, in the midst of, in the midst of all this, okay, all this just craziness, and we're just doing life, and it's, you know, just hanging out with my boys. Um, Drew breaks into song. Okay, there's a song that we sing around here, and it has adjectives of God like incomparable and unchangeable and untamable, and it lists all these different adjectives of God. And, and Drew, somehow, he's, he's heard enough of the song where he, he, he knows some of it, but he, he essentially, uh, the two adjectives that he went to were unclappable <laughs> and, and untappable. Um, he put the stars in the sky and he knows them by name. I mean, that was, and just in that, like in the craziest of circumstances, just in the flow of life and wrestling and jumping and clowning around, he just says that. And I'm just reminded of God, and the Spirit of God is present in the weirdest, strangest of circumstances, but I'm reminded of God and how good He is and how thankful I am to have my boys. The Holy Spirit wants to help you in your life. Be taught about God, reminded about God. And the cool thing is, the beauty of this is He is personal. He is personal. He speaks to you, to your heart, to your mind. Uh, I have a wedding ring here, and the wedding ring is kind of a you know, visible reminder of my relationship with my wife, Jill, and um, reminds me of our covenant and the day we got married, but it really doesn't say a whole lot to me about how I'm succeeding or failing as a husband today. It, it's just dead, like it just, it's just metal. But the Holy Spirit, like, I need Him to constantly come personally, teaching, reminding me, how am I succeeding or failing as a husband? And, and the Spirit of God is gracious to do that, and I trust He'll be gracious to do that in your life as you invite Him in. Just show me, teach me, remind me. What am I doing here? How am I doing? Picking up in verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I, and now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you. Again, kind of given the future coming here. For the ruler of this world is coming. Just so we're clear, he has no claim on me. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Besides that last sentence, rise, let us go from here. The only command, the direct, only direct command I, 
I saw in this passage is Jesus' words say, let nothing trouble you. Do not let your heart be troubled. That's one of the commands he gives us. If we love Christ, we need to hear this one. Because, man, our culture and the different media outlets, a lot of them are just bound with the desire to make you afraid. To get you to fear something. Fear someone. And Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. It's also in verse 1, and it's, it's reiterated in John 16, verse 33. I have said these things to you. All this stuff, all my teaching here, what I'm trying to get with the, if you love me, you'll you know, obey, and the Holy Spirit coming, all these things. I've said these to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I want to go back to our story. I, I mean, it, it's one of the most heart-wrenching letters I've ever read. Um, but it's also one of the most beautiful. I want to read some of the, the things that have come in the aftermath of all this. The church in Turkey responded in a way that honored God as hundreds of believers and dozens of pastors flew in as fast as they could to stand by the small church of Malatya and encourage the believers to take care of legal issues and represent Christians to the media. Can you imagine? Three believers were just killed there and you have a plane ticket and that's where you're going. These guys are my heroes. Najati's funeral was a beautiful event, like a glimpse of heaven. Thousands of Turkish Christians and missionaries came to show their love for Christ and their honor for this man, chosen to die for Christ. Najati's wife, Shemsa, told the world his death was full of meaning because he died for Christ and he lived for Christ. Najati was a gift from God. I feel honored that he was in my life. I feel crowned with honor. I want to be worthy of that honor. Boldly, the believers took their stand at Najati's funeral, facing the risks of being seen publicly and likewise becoming targets. As expected, the anti-terror police attended and videotaped everyone attending the funeral for their future use. The service took place outside Zabuka Baptist Church and he was buried in a small Christian graveyard in the outskirts of Izmir. Two assistant governors of Izmir were there solemnly watching the events from the front row. Dozens of news agencies were there documenting the events with live news and photographs. Listen to the heart of the author of this letter. Who knows the impact the funeral had on those watching? This is the beginning of their story as well. Pray for them. In an act that has hit front pages in the largest newspapers in Turkey, Suzanne, uh, the wife of the German missionary, in a television interview expressed her forgiveness. She did not want revenge, she told reporters. Oh God, Forgive them, for they know not what they do, she said. Wholeheartedly agreeing with the words of Christ on Calvary. In a country where blood for blood revenge is as normal as breathing. Can you imagine that? That atmosphere, that environment. Many, many reports have come to the attention of the church of how this comment of this wife has changed lives. One columnist wrote of her comment, she said in one sentence what 1,000 missionaries in 1,000 years could never do. I don't know if that's true, 
But for this reporter, it's clear that this reporter has not seen anything like this. Her husband is brutally tortured and killed. And this woman expressing forgiveness? And it touched the reporter. Please pray for the church in Turkey. Don't pray against persecution. Pray for perseverance, urges one pastor. The church is better having lost our brothers. The fruit in our lives, the renewed faith, the burning desire to spread the gospel, to quench more darkness in Malatya, all these are not to be regretted. Pray that we stand strong against external opposition. And especially pray that we stand strong against internal struggles with sin. Our debilitating weakness. Can you imagine that? This is unbelievable. This we know. Christ Jesus was there when our brothers were given their lives for him. He was there, like he was when Stephen was being stoned in the sight of Saul of Tarsus. We don't know the details. We don't know the kind of justice that will or will not be served on this earth. But we pray and urge you to pray that someday at least one of those five boys will come to faith because of the testimony in death of Tillman who gave his life as a missionary to his beloved Turks, and the testimonies and death of Najadi and Ur, the first martyrs for Christ out of the Turkish church. The disciples were in a situation where Jesus is sharing some teachings, having no idea what was going to happen. No idea, no understanding of Good Friday, Jesus going to the cross to die for our sins, no understanding of Easter Sunday. These Turkish men went off to study God's word, learn, hear the teachings of Christ, having no understanding what was going to come that afternoon. That's us, folks. We are here listening to the teachings of Christ from His word, having no idea as we leave this place what is going to happen. And given all of those unknowns, will you all the more, this was my goal, this was my aim, will you all the more cling to the teachings of Christ? All of them. Believe, whether it's believe in God, love your neighbor as Jesus loved you. If you uh, are not a follower of Christ this morning, um, I would love to get together and talk with you more about some of the things that are being shared up here. Um, If you are a believer, I want you to hear um, some of the truths that come out at the end of this story. Someday the video of the deaths of our brothers may reveal more to us about the strength that we know Christ gave them to endure their last cross, about the peace the Spirit of God endowed them with to suffer for their beloved Savior. But we know He did not leave their side. We know their minds were full of Scripture, strengthening them to endure as darkness tried to subdue the unsubduable light of the Gospel. We know in whatever way they were able, with a look or a word, they encouraged one another to stand strong. We know they knew they would soon be with Christ. Will you pray with me?
Father, the cool part about this whole story, what makes it so beautiful, so different from how much of the rest of the world grieves, is that we grieve with hope. We grieve with hope in Jesus Christ. We grieve with hope in the knowledge that there is one who has beaten death. His name is Christ. His name is Jesus. And so, God, this morning, we're saddened by what our brothers experienced. What all the disciples, what most of the disciples experienced. As many of them experienced death because of their connection to Christ. God, we have no idea what the future holds. All we are in control of is our own commitment to you, our own willingness to love you, to obey you, to follow you. And so God, would you right now, by your Spirit, solidify commitments in the hearts of these believers. And God, for those that may not be believers yet, perhaps they today could start with a commitment to you. You are a wonderful God, worthy of sacrifice, worthy of the difficulty and the tribulation. You promise it to us, but you have overcome the world. Pray in Jesus' name, amen.